tall, you're bigger now, huge. Once again, sis, way.
Good morning to all our listeners around the world. Logged on to QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. Of course, I have to say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Wednesday, June 22. Happy Hump Day. It's also hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday. Our WCW artist for today is none other than Tina Turner. Thank you for joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, on Instagram, Moments with Me Media, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Moments with Me Media. Like, share, comment, and click on that notification bell. Remember, tomorrow we go live on Future FM 98.9 up there in Bronx, Westchester, and Mount Vernon. And here are the details we have coming up for you today. We're starting off with international news. Afghanistan earthquake live news updates. Hundreds killed in major tremor. EU pledges $630 million to Africa, Caribbean, and others for food crisis. Biggest strike in 30 years paralyzes UK rail network. UK to introduce law to override ECHR after blocked deportations. Ukrainian journalist coldly executed by Russian forces. In news out of North America, father of Tyree Samson says if his son was a European child, his death would be taken more seriously. Dartmouth College will remove loans from undergraduate financial aid and replace with scholarship grants. U.S. Supreme Court rejects Bayer's bid to end roundup lawsuit. U.S. Senate reaches bipartisan deal on gun control. In business and tech news, Twitter's board approves Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover bid. Kroger, Harris, Teeter Face, backlash for removing controversial pro-American items. Biden, Chevron chief, trade sharp words over gas prices. Biden to call for three-month suspension of gas and diesel taxes. In health and science news, bosses want video call cameras on, but workers may have a strong argument against appearing on on screen when they do not want to. In sports news, Delonte West says he's doing okay, but in between jobs, after being spotted panhandling, Brittany Griner's scheduled call with wife derailed by understaffed U.S. Embassy. Cristiano Ronaldo's $2 million Bugatti damaged by his bodyguard during a family vacation. Uh, okay. Caribbean Corner, Cayman Islands Health City Partners with Ocean Med to perform first robotic surgery. Jamaican Prime Minister denounces brutal murder of a woman and her four children. Jamaica to capitalize on Chris Gale's popularity in Asian market. In Trinidad, NFM to raise flower prices by 33% starting today. Stories out of Latin America, indigenous protester dies in Ecuador as violence increases. How tattoos are helping overcome trauma and domestic abuse in Brazil. In entertainment news, Bill Cosby found liable of sexually assaulting teen at the Playboy Mansion in 1975. Woman awarded $500,000. Dave Chappelle says his former high school's theater will not have 
his name. We're going to return after this music break as we listen to a little more Tina Turner, who is our hashtag WCW artist for today, Woman Crush Wednesday. When we return, we will have the details. We up, yeah.
Thank you to all our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram moments with me media and that's moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and subscribe to the YouTube channel moments with me media like share comment and click on that notification bell. We are going to be loading up some awesome content there very soon. And now it is t- well before we even get into the details we're listening to our hashtag WCW artist for today. None other, the undisputable, undeniable Tina Turner. Earlier, you heard her songs on Silent Wings, Private Dancer, Typical Male, and Better Be Good to Me. Well, no, we didn't hear Typical Male. We're hearing um, Be Good to Me, yeah. Typical male is going to come up a little later on. <laughs> I switched it up. So I didn't even remember that I switched it up. Yeah, Tina Turner. I think she, um, at one point, if I'm not mistaken, she had a contract with the stocking company. I don't even know if that stocking company is still around. Um, Legs. You remember that company? You go into the stores like, um, oh my gosh, McCrory's or um, 
well, up to recently, Walmart carried the brand too. She got a contract with them and she insured her legs. Yeah, at one point she was known for having the most beautiful legs in the world. And she was always wearing those short skirts and dancing. She knew how to tear it up in them high, heel, high heels on the stage. She's a great entertainer. We have to give her that, I must say. All right, well, thank you all for being here with me. And now it is time for us to get into the details. And this one is so sad. Um, Afghanistan earthquake live news updates. Hundreds killed in major tremor, courtesy of Al Jazeera. So far, at least 920 people have been killed and 600 others injured after a magnitude 5.9 earthquake rocked remote parts of southeastern Afghanistan. Authorities say hundreds of homes have been destroyed in the underdeveloped region. Tremors can be felt or could be felt in neighboring Pakistan and Iran, where there are no immediate reports of change or casualties. UNICEF is saying the situation is getting worse by the hour. Yeah, Mort said access to the remote provinces is complicated by recent landslides due to heavy rainfall, but that UNICEF's teams were able to reach some of the affected areas. Uh, PM convenes emergency meeting to coordinate relief efforts. The Prime Minister Mohammed Hassan Akund has convened an emergency meeting at the Presidential Palace to coordinate the relief efforts. Bilal Karimi, a deputy spokesman for the Taliban government, urged aid agencies on Twitter to send teams to the area. UN resident coordinator in Afghanistan, Ramiz Alakbarov, said more help was being mobilized. So we... um. I'm sure the death toll is going to rise. Uh, I was looking at the pictures of the buildings, and what I'm noticing, I didn't see any steel. I didn't see any steel whatsoever. No, I'm lying. There's some steel. Is it steel or is that wood? I can't even make it out. But some of the pictures that I saw that they have posted up close, there's no steel. It just um, looks like cement and blocks. That's it. Um steel is important now i can understand why it's possible that no steel would be there because uh, you look at economics right people are going to more, people are going to be more concerned with just being inside a building and have a structured roof over their head versus looking at how um well constructed that building should be you know um i'm not sure if this country, Afghanistan, is located on a fault. I don't know. I really don't know. It's quite possible for it to be affected that way. But I'm going to say this, and I'm, and I'm not saying there's a direct correlation, but I'm going to say this. To these countries that are consistently doing missile testing in the ocean or in some deserted remote parts of the, the, the um land their countries stop for a second just stop for a second and think about the effects of these things at some point the earth is gonna get tired you keep doing this to the earth there are gonna be repercussions and i'm not saying that this is a direct result of any missile testing. Please do not get me wrong, but I'm just here thinking. Just thinking. 
setting off missiles. They go up, they come down, right? In the sea, we're testing. They go up, they go down in the sea. What happens to the, 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 the life, the ocean life? Something is being moved. So even if there was no fault line per se, I think through our actions, we are creating fault lines, cracking the earth beneath the surface, which is eventually going to cause a shift. And when the shift happens, when the plates start to move, this is what we get. Just my thoughts. Yeah, so um, I do sympathize with the people in Afghanistan and all the families that have been affected by this tragedy. EU pledges $630 million to Africa, Caribbean, and others for food crisis. The European Union has pledged 600 million euros, which is the equivalent of $630 million, to help vulnerable nations weather a food security crisis worsened by Russia's war on Ukraine. The funds include 150 million euros in humanitarian assistance for African, Caribbean, and Pacific nations, and 350 million to boost sustainable food production in the long term. Okay, hold on. Is the math off here? 31415. So we're missing 100 million still. Where's the other 100 million going? Am I the only one doing the math? Funds include 150 million in humanitarian assistance for African, Caribbean, and Pacific nations, 350 million to boost sustainable food production in the long term. Okay. Um, Russia's war of aggression is taking a heavy and senseless toll, not only on the Ukrainian population, but also those most vulnerable around the world. European Commission Chief Ursula von der Leyen said on Monday at an EU summit in Brussels. Russia is still blocking millions of tons of desperately needed grain, she added. To help our partners, we will mobilize an additional 600 million euros to avoid a food crisis and an economic shock. Russia and Ukraine export nearly a third of the world's wheat and barley, more than 70% of its sunflower oil, and our big suppliers of corn. The war has prevented some 20 million tons of Ukrainian grain from getting to the Middle East, North Africa, and parts of Asia. Now the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, is projecting that up to 180 million people in 41 countries could face a food crisis or worse levels of hunger this year. And according to the Norwegian Refugee Council, the NRC, a focus on Ukraine has led to the sidelining of the world's 10 most neglected refugee crises, all in Africa, highlighting the disparity between aid and media coverage for different regions. Call me an unnecessary stickler, but I'm doing the math. Where's 100 million is missing from the equation? Because uh, you said it's 600 million, unless I don't know what I'm doing, right? Three one fifty and three fifty, right? Three and one four fifty fifty. That's one. That's five hundred million. Where's the other hundred million? Where's it going? Uh, where's it going, folks? I, I don't know. I'm looking for it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm looking for the extra hundred million in the story. Totally missing the point that at least five hundred million is going up. 
I want to know what happened to the other hundred million. Show me the other hundred million. Every penny of it needs to go to the cause. EU? Is that administrative costs? I don't know. Shipping costs? Well, say so. Whatever that hundred million is going to, I want to know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm being very petty this morning. Really, really petty. I don't care. <laughs> I want to see that 100 billion. So the biggest strike in 30 years paralyzes the UK rail network. Uh, tens of thousands of railway workers have walked off their jobs in the UK, bringing the train network to a crawl in the country's biggest transit strike for more than 30 years. About 40,000 cleaners, signalers, maintenance workers, and station staff were holding a 24-hour strike with two more planned for Thursday and Saturday. Compounding the pain for commuters, London underground subway services were also hit by a walkout on Tuesday. The dispute centers on pay, working conditions, and job security, as the UK's railways struggle to recover from the coronavirus pandemic. There were almost 1 billion train journeys in the UK in the year to March, but that is well below pre-COVID-19 levels and train companies, which were kept afloat with government support during the past two years, are seeking to cut costs and staffing. Major stations were largely deserted on Tuesday morning, with only about 20% of passenger trains scheduled to run. Last-minute talks on Monday failed to make a breakthrough. The Rail Maritime and Transport Union says it will not accept rail firms' offer of a 3% raise, which is far below the rate of inflation currently running at 9%. The union accuses the conservative government of refusing to give rail firms enough flexibility to offer a substantial pay increase. The government says it is not involved in the talks but has warned that big raises will spark a wage price spiral driving inflation even higher. Prime Minister Boris Johnson accused unions of harming the very people they claim to be helping and called for a sensible compromise for the good of the British people and the rail workforce. Inflation is 9% and you're offering a 3% raise. Does that really make sense? Why is it that people have to, employees have to go to extreme lengths to send a message before people are able to take them seriously. And it happens all the time. You sit in corporate, someone will approach you or you will approach someone about a salary increase and you're not just arbitrarily asking for a salary increase, you are putting forth a justifiable reason for the salary increase based on your performance, right? based on what you've been able to achieve, how you have been able to improve the company's bottom line. And they're looking at you like, are you crazy? You're really asking for a raise? Really? It's not until drastic measures go into play and they realize that their revenue is going to be crippled before they're able to say, oh, oh, okay, let me listen, let me listen now. Why is it that leaders of organizations, leaders of um, government bodies will not listen to the very people they rely on 
to keep their operations going. I agree. Walk out. If that's the only way people are going to listen, walk out. People are tired. People are tired of working hard just to get by day by day. And that is what is happening. Working today to be able to live tomorrow. That's the majority. And we can easily sit here and talk about diversify and, you know, take on something else. But the truth is, not everyone is in the frame of mind for that, nor is everyone capable of doing that. Some people are cut and dry, meant to be employees, period. Entrepreneurship does not run in the veins of everyone. Some people have tried and realized that it's not for them, and I respect them for being honest about it. We can say invest in stocks, but you're putting money aside. People need money now. Inflation is all around us, and you're going to offer a 3% raise? And then Prime Minister Boris Johnson is going to accuse the unions of harming the very people they claim to be helping. How are they harming them? If they're coming to you and they're asking you to listen to the cries of the people who are working. $500 last week. Can't, what it was able to do last week, it can't do it this week. That's the truth. I can speak from our, my own experience. Yesterday we went to the supermarket. 300 and something, almost $350. Gone, just like that. Mind you, the day before that, I had son number one go and get some things for me. That was a hundred and something dollars. So I'm clocking $500 for the week already. It didn't cost that much before. It really didn't. And when I say we're spending approximately $500 in grocery, and I'm praying it can serve me two weeks. I'm really praying it will serve me two weeks. $500 in grocery, right? I'm grateful that we're able to buy the grocery. But before, I could spend half of that. And I was complaining when I was spending $250 a week. I was complaining. What do we do? Our government leaders and those, for example, in London, I would say in Parliament and those in the U.S., in the Senate, are they so out of touch with what's going on, the reality of what people are facing? Are you so out of touch? So there's a 6% deficit because the 3% can't catch up to the 9%. I'm going to have to tell the folks in my house to stop bathing. Bathe once a week. Take it back to the good old days. You know why they have June Bride? <laughs> because once a year, that was a time of year when people were able to bathe. So you have the June Bride, and that's when people would get married. Oh, we're going to have to go back to those days. Ah, mm -hmm. 
You don't need to bathe. You don't need to bathe. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Once a week on a Sunday, go have a shower. Apart from that, ride it out. Is that what we're going to have to do? Because the water bill is ridiculous. Light bill is ridiculous. Gas prices, everything is ridiculous. So come on, um, Boris. Please, instead of blaming the union for defending the rights and the needs of the employees, how about you talk to those you need to have a conversation with and say, hey, you know something, we need to make the... Um, we need to see to it that people have livable wages to match the inflation right now. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm done ranting. That's my rant for this morning. morning. Good morning, James. Good morning. <laughs> yeah, as, as you talk about that bid once a week thing, I, I remember I was watching a cheapskate episode where a family, they fill up one bathtub and use it for the entire family to bathe. So that's, that's option number two. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's and I'll tell you something that's where the saying throw the baby out with the bath water careful you don't throw the baby out with the bath because by the time you get to the youngest and it starts with the father first and then the mother and then the children and by the time you get to the baby the water is all murky <laughs> hence the yeah, saying yeah that, yeah that episode was crazy like but but it would be bad for like for like Marlon cuz he would have to be the last person to go in <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I live for Javette's wow. I need to capture that on an audio file. Yeah. Javette's yeah, wow. But, yeah, but the, 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 thing, the thing with the transit, though, is that the reality is that I don't think, I don't know, like, with China or, like, Singapore and those places, but in North America, in the Caribbean, there's no profitable transit system that, that's operating. Every transit system, is like just running a deficit but i think for like places like you know like america england canada like the money that they spend on war or buying like these fighter jets and, and and all these machinery for war some of those money could go into transit too you know because the reality is that transit is like heavily subsidized by government and it's 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 not profitable like especially subway like you know so I think, I don't know, like, they have to find a better way, you know, either, like, encourage more people to do transit um, so that the ridership can go up and, and, and it can be a bit more profitable or find find more efficient or effective way to, to, to run transit because sometimes you go on some of those um, trains and they're, like, empty. And there are certain time, times a day when the trains are empty. So I, I, I don't know. But, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's, it's, it's tough because it's happening, it's happening everywhere. Like, and, and I think one of the problems that governments are having is that, you know, like the nurses want raise, the, the police officers. And then when, once you give one person, it's like a ripple effect. And the reality is that, you know, taxpayers, like we're the one that's going to feel it at the end of the day. You know, like once everyone starts getting their increase, then our tax is going to go up. So I don't know. They have to find a better way, though. Well, they better find it quickly. But here's the thing. They always have problems raising the pay of certain people, but not of others, right? If you are in Parliament, sitting down behind the table, bam, bam, bamming on those desks when they have parliamentary meetings, you have no problem getting a pay increase. As a matter of fact, it's automatically increased for you, right? Okay. Okay. That's all I'm going to say on that one. 
No further comment on that. Yeah, and, and another thing to the CEOs, they need to, to, to kind of look into because I know the CEO for the, 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 the transit in, um, in Toronto like was making like millions of dollars. And then he, le he left the job and he went to New York to get even more money. So like these guys are making like $30 million a year for like a, a system that's not profitable. So they have to look into that too. But why are they selling? You know what? One person taking that home, James, and somebody else getting minimum wage? Does that really make sense? In all seriousness, does that make sense? And if I, then again, I understand the argument that the system allows you to be able to make that amount, right? And if you're able to make that amount, you make that amount. My issue is, do you not have a conscience? Do you really need $30 million a year? Let, let's be real. It's not as though you're doing all the job functions. The person, a lot of times, James, getting that $30 million a year doesn't even know how to do some of the work. They rely on others to make them look good. Am I wrong or am I right? Isn't that what they do? You rely on others to make you look good. So in all fairness, shouldn't you be able to say, you know something, I really don't need $30 million. Give me half. And I, I'm just going to say that because, you know, we're a greedy bunch, regardless human nature. Give me half. And the other half, let us spread it amongst whomever else. Somebody's getting $8 an hour. Let's bump them up to $10 an hour. And even though I, even so, I, I still think 15 million is a bit much, just, you know, but who am I? Let me, let me not say anything. UK to introduce law to override ECHR after blocked deportations. The United Kingdom government has said it will introduce legislation allowing it to ignore certain European Court of Human Rights decisions after a judge in Strasbourg blocked flights removing asylum seekers to Rwanda. Huh. Okay, let me read that again. The United Kingdom government has said it will introduce legislation allowing it to ignore certain European Court of Human Rights decisions after a judge in Strasbourg blocked flights removing asylum seekers to Rwanda. Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Grab will bring the new Bill of Rights to Parliament today as the government attempts to implement its Rwanda plan aimed at deterring immigrants from making illegal crossings of the English Channel. Rights groups and church leaders have criticized the policy as shameful. British courts earlier this month gave the go-ahead for the first removal flight to leave, but the ECHR stepped in at the last minute with an interim ruling to block its departure. A UK full judicial review of the plan's legality is due next month. Raab said on Wednesday that the bill would assert that the Supreme Court in London is the ultimate arbiter on human rights issues. The law would also mean that interim measures from the court issued under Rule 39 are not binding on UK courts. 
the UK Supreme Court should be supreme in their legal interpretations, Rob told Sky News broadcaster. Rob is resisting calls from the right of his party to quit the ECHR altogether, saying the new bill would instead strengthen our UK tradition of freedom whilst injecting a healthy dose of common sense into the system. These reforms will reinforce freedom of speech, enable us to deport more foreign offenders, and better protect the public from dangerous criminals. Hmm. Why does that last part sound like something taken from a Donald Trump speech? Every immigrant or every um, illegal immigrant trying to get into the country is a dangerous criminal, right? <laughs> because that is what they want people to believe. Yeah. Inject fear, Javet. That's how you inject fear, by telling people, oh, everyone wanting to come here, they're dangerous criminals. Oh my gosh, no, we got to stop this. We also going to steal everybody's job. Yes, that too. That too. We're going to steal the jobs of those who don't want to work, right? Or who will tell you, I'm not working for that because I have a college degree, right? We'll do the jobs that they don't want to do. So if we don't do it, who is going to do it? We'll wipe the asses off their parents who sit in nursing homes because they're not going to do it because they're overqualified or it's beneath them. But the immigrants will do it. But the same immigrants are stealing those jobs that they don't want. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. These reforms will reinforce freedom of speech. What? Okay, so that freedom of speech that will be reinforced, what? Will it be allowing people to be able to hurl whatever they want to say at people? To be condescending, disrespectful? They say not everything good to eat, good to talk. But with this now, oh, it's okay. You can hurl your insults, your degradations, whatever, at folks. And it's okay. Enable us to deport more foreign offenders. Let me ask you a question. Now, I'm not saying that you should um, hold on to people who are doing bad crimes, right? Who are committing serious offenses, killing and you know that sort of thing i'm not saying that sure send them back to where they're from because they had an opportunity to make better and do better right so i'm okay with that you're here murdering and raping no 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 you gotta go but everybody else who just wants the opportunity to be able to look after their families and provide a better way of life for some people, they're looking for security because they're fearful of their lives from where they are. Disregard? Okay. And then we say we care about humans and humanity. Interesting. A Ukrainian photojournalist and a soldier accompanying him who were killed in the first weeks of Russia's invasion of Ukraine appear to have been coldly executed by Russian troops, Reporters Without Borders has concluded following an investigation into the killings. The bodies of Max Levin and serviceman Oleksiy Chernoshov 
were found on April 1 in a forest near a village 19 miles north of the capital, Kiev. The press freedom group speculated that Levin may have been searching Russian-occupied woodlands for his missing image-taking drone. Reporters Without Borders said the journalist was wearing a blue armband similar to those worn by Ukrainian soldiers. He had, on occasion, shared information gleaned from his drone, including about Russian positions with Ukrainian forces. And those are the stories out of North America, out of from the international scene. I apologize. When we return from the music break, we will have stories out of North America. For now, it's a little bit more from our hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday artist, none other than Tina Turner. There was a time when I would have followed you To the end of the earth I was willing to share it all with you The love The hurt Seen you when your dreams were falling in the dust But I never stopped believing in you I always thought our love was strong enough One you could hold on to Whoa. Men 
come in these places And the men are all the same You don't look at their faces And you don't ask their names I'm your private dancer A dancer for money I'll do what you want me to do I'm your private dancer A dancer for money Any old music will do To all our listeners, logged on to QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. 
Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, on Instagram at Moments with Me Media, and subscribe to the YouTube channel Moments with Me Media. Like, share, comment, and click on that notification bell. Today it is hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday, and we are crushing on Tina Turner. You heard earlier on Silent Wings, Private Dancer, and now Typical Male. And now it's time for the details of stories out of North America. Father of Tyree Simpson says if his son was a European child, his death would be taken more seriously. The father of Tyree Sampson is slamming investigators and theme park operators for trying to sweep his death under the rug. On Monday, Yarnell Sampson spoke at a press conference in front of the Freefall attraction at Icon Park in Orlando, Florida, with civil rights attorney Ben Crump. He accused all parties involved of ignoring Tyree's deadly fall because he's a black teenager. Yarnell believes that if his son was a European child, it would have been different. The 14-year-old was captured on video plummeting to his death in March after boarding the freefall ride. A report found that the young man weighed over 300 pounds, yet was permitted onto the ride despite the 287-weight limit. A lawsuit filed by the family says operators should not have allowed Tyree on the ride. Yarnell also said that he was shocked to see his son's memorial had been taken down when he when he visited the site of his death on Father's Day. According to both him and Crump, the park told them a permanent memorial would remain at the location. Orlando Slingshot, which is under the ride's operating group, confirmed that cleaning crews removed the memorial several weeks ago and the items were sent to the family. They did not provide details regarding a permanent dedication to Tyree Sampson. I just thought everybody just abandoned him and everybody care about him no more. And there's no more love, Yarnell stated. Ahead of Yarnell's and Crump's press conference, protesters could be heard shouting, tear it down in front of the ride. Uh, I don't know. Oh, question. How long does a memorial stay in place at the site of a tragedy? How long, what's the appropriate time frame for it to be there? Do we want the things there forever? Or would you prefer to have a plaque or something there? What's your preference? Me personally, if a tragedy were to happen to me, um, Please do not have anything there beyond a week. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, beyond a week. Because I feel the longer it's there for me, personally, the harder it is to start the healing process. That's just me. Me per se. Now, as it relates to his opinion, feeling that if his son was a European child, his death would be taken more seriously, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I do not have access and I'm not going to make assumptions because I do not have access to more details. I'm not privy to that. Um, what exactly? I need more specifics. 
what exactly are the things that are causing you to feel the way you're feeling? I'm not discrediting what or discounting what he's saying. I'm just asking, why do you give me specifics beyond saying if the child was European, it would have been different. Give me specifics. What are they doing exactly? List them out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So I can support your train of thought or I can argue your train of thought. As it is, I'm, I, I can only stand in the middle. But um, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Marlon. But my thing to this, though, is um, the family member he went to the park with, he didn't go with his parents. Why aren't the family member being, if you're blaming the park, you need to blame the family member. Are they blaming the family members or whoever they, he went with? Because they have to have sign up and the family member is a young boy. Nobody read the sign. You could blame the park attendant as well. But if my son or if I take somebody's child to a park, I'm going to make sure the sign uh, they follow the, the instruction of the sign as a family member or a friend because they're your my responsibility. Yes, you could blame the park and blame the attendant, but you need the fact the person who take him to the park need to be accountable as well. You know, that's me because I would be accountable for your child. And if something happened to your child under my watch, I need to be blamed as well because he was my responsibility. So I just want to know, I haven't heard anybody say nothing about whoever brought him to the park and, you know, they are be, being blamed as well because they must have seen the sign as well and should tell him, hey, um, you cannot go on this ride because you're overweight and so on. So let's, let's find something else. So if you're going to blame, blame everyone not just the park and uh, attendance. I agree. I agree. I'm going to put the blame on the park and the attendant for the simple reason. I've mentioned, went to many amusement parks and you're so excited about, um, uh, you know, getting on the ride. I'm not necessarily paying attention to what the sign says. I just, just want to um, uh, get on the ride. And you know those um, big tubes where it's like three or four if you can go in? They also have weight limit. And there were many times where we tried to squeeze in, you know, three or four persons that may be a little overweight uh, because we wanted to go, you know, more weight, you know, it's going to go faster. But the attendant was like, no, you cannot all fit in the same tube. So I think the responsibility is up to the professionals that are there because that is their job and that is what they are being paid to do. Uh, Elan right there. All right. But in all honesty, most of those attendants are not even grown people. And can you really look at someone and see how much they weigh? People would not believe how much I weigh. <laughs> okay. So like everybody is responsible. Yes. But for someone to really know a person's weight, they would need to add scales to these rides. Yeah. 
True. Valid points from everyone. Valid point, Javette. Valid point, Naturalist. Valid point, Marlon. So I must be a very boring parent when I go to the park. I must be. And here's why I'm saying that. While the children are excited, I am the one looking for the signs. Hold up. Let me see the rules and regulations here. Okay, yeah, you can go. That's me as a parent. That's Marlon as a parent. We're looking at the signs because we know that children are children. So the adult has to step up and take the responsibility at some point. I can't put blame solely on the attendant. Have you ever gone to a park and really observed the attendants? They're just putting people on. They're just putting people on. So the big signs are usually there in black and white or red and white. They're there right before you walk on that ramp. So at some, I believe when they put the sign there, it is our responsibility to read the sign. Now, if we disregard the sign and continue, now we're putting ourselves at risk. Some of these park attendants, the ones who man the rides, as Javed pointed out, are young, very young people. And the truth is, you have to be so careful because then you get slammed with discriminating. They look at someone and say, oh, you're too fat. You're too heavy. You can't. A whole argument ensues right there. So what do they do? You're right at your own risk now because the sign was there. So you chose to go past the barrier. I'm telling you, you can't go on. You're going to attack me for telling you, you can't go on. Right. But I'm going to say something that I know is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. And I'm okay with it. I'm noticing a trend and I'm not saying it's the case in this situation, but for some reason it's as though people allow things to happen because they're looking for a financial breakthrough. They're okay with sacrificing, disregarding rules and regulations so they can blame somebody for with the hope that something will happen probably not expecting death to come out of it, but with the hope that there will be a payday. That is what I'm observing happening. And I'm not saying this is the situation. But for me, I'm holding Tyree accountable. He knows his weight limit. Um, he knows his size. I'm holding the people that went with him responsible more than I'm holding him because they should be saying, no, Tyree, you can't go on that ride. You cannot. You may not like hearing the no, but I'm sorry. I'm not putting you on there. I'm not going to have anything happen to you because I don't know what I'm going to tell your parents. I'm putting the responsibility on the park attendant. Because regardless, you should have said, even if you don't want to say to the child, say to the family member. And who? You know, hey, no, 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 he can't come on this ride. You know, I, it, it, I, hold on, Chief, one second. And then I'm yeah, also going to put blame on the um, the park 
the the um, ride itself, whoever manufactured the ride, because it seems as though with the harness there was some breach there. So blame goes all around for me. Go right ahead, Chief. Yeah, it's something we we all kind of do at some point. Whether you're getting on an airplane and your bag is overweight, and you know, like you said, some people even skirt around the regulations just to fill a plane. Mm -hmm. And some of us know it, and we'll overpack our bags, knowing that carry on isn't. I've been on a plane many times where they took, look, put my bag in a little rack to see if it was had the dimensions and i'll see somebody get on the plane with this oversized bag and i'm like wait a minute mm -hmm. how did you get past that you know and and we do it with elevators we, like we it happens all the time we just don't experience the crisis find ourselves we're experiencing these crises that we actually participate in like we participate in unsafe measures often so so to, so to see children do it it's not like it's not even you know it's like we're the examples and they see it all the time you know where we skirt these safety regulations in different ways and so there's you know there's, there is personal accountability but like like javed said you know if you want to really have safety measures you put a scale on the thing right and you have those attendants check that scale because nobody's going to say hey how much do you weigh you know, you would, you know, nobody wants to deal with the backlash of all of that. And, and like, uh, you know, my brother said, you get excited when you go to these places, you're not even thinking about that. Some people are, like mm -hmm. you said, you're one of those people who actually look and, you know, check the sign out. Most people aren't at the park with their parents. And if they are at the park with their parents, it's like, Oh, I want to ride that ride. Okay. Well, go ahead. Be careful da, da, da. And you sitting on the bench, you know, drinking your, your, your cool beverage. Right. You know, you know, it's just, that's, that's just the reality of it. You seldom see a bunch of parents in line with a bunch of kids. I've, I've rarely seen that, you know, so it's just, it's just something to look at, you know, and we, we have to be primary examples because they, they look at us and say, well, I see, you know, we see our parents do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, that's all I wanted to add. Good point. Thank I you. I wanted Chief. to add one quick thing to moment. Yes, Dr. Daphne, go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's also, we are, the trend that I notice is like when people leave their homes, they expect the adults or the people around them to manage them and their children the same way they would at their private home. You know, so in on top of that, some of these parents don't want you to talk to their kids. You know, you, do, you don't want them to say, hey, be careful. You can't ride the ride because they let their kids do whatever they want at home. So they, you know, they don't want you to say no. They don't. It's a lot of dynamic in that situation that as a teacher that we deal with every day ourselves. It's like, don't talk to my child. Don't say no because they don't say no to their kids. Safety is everybody's responsibility. Right, like you said, I read the signs simply because I don't want to be traumatized with something happening to me or anybody that I'm with. And it, that people forget about that. It's very, very important for all of us to pay attention. I'm with Javet. These are young kids working for the summer. They are not going to ask an adult their weight. They're not going to ask a young person their weight because it creates a lot of problems for them. And they could get fired sometimes because somebody complained about them and they've been rude and disrespectful. So we have to do better as adults and take responsibility for everywhere we go because we're not home. Yeah. Home is home and outside is outside. Exactly. And we have to teach our children. We have to teach our children how to be responsible. He's 14 years old. He's not, he's, he, he is quite capable of understanding rules and regulations. 
he has to follow rules and regulations at school, doesn't he? If he doesn't follow them at home, he has to do it at school. So they're quite well, I, capable. No, I would throw another dynamic. What about the young people who translate, who's been in power and home because they're the only one that speak English, they don't want to do the translation. We were just talking about that in another room. So these young people are parenting themselves. They make the decision when to follow the rules or not because the parents really don't understand the language or the culture or where they are. The kids have, they count on the young people to translate for them. So that's another, he might be 14, but he's also a 14 year old that's been doing whatever he wants because the parents don't know that what he's doing is not against regulations. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, great points from everyone. Thank you all so much. Dartmouth College will remove loans from undergraduate financial aid and replace with scholarship grants. Dartmouth College is ahead of the curve with its latest decision to remove all federal and institutional loans from its undergraduate financial aid awards and replace them with scholarship grants. Dartmouth undergraduates who come from families with an annual income of $125,000 or less who possess typical assets are offered need-based financial aid without a required loan component, NBC News reported. Dartmouth is now removing the loan requirement for its undergraduates coming from families um, with an annual income of more than $125,000 who receive need-based financial aid. The decision will decrease the debt burden placed on hundreds of middle-income Dartmouth students and their families by an average of $22,000 over the students' four years, the school announced in a news release on Monday. In 2018, the Call to Lead fundraising initiative began and has deepened the college's commitment to making college education accessible and affordable for the most promising and talented students from around the world, and from all economic backgrounds. And this is according to President Philip Hanlon. Over 65 families supported the efforts and goal to do away with loan requirements from Dartmouth's undergraduate financial aid awards, committing more than $80 million in gifts to the endowment. Dartmouth will be among Ivy League pairs, Brown University, Columbia University, Harvard University, the University of Pennsylvania, and Yale University in adopting no loan policies. Are we happy for that? Is that something we want to embrace? I would think so. Yeah. Yes, I would definitely think so. All right, good, Dartmouth. Good for you. So the U.S. Supreme Court has rejected Bayer's bid to dismiss legal claims by customers who say its weed killer causes cancer as the German company seeks to avoid potentially billions of dollars in damages. The justices turned away a Bayer appeal on Tuesday and left in place a lower court decision that upheld $25 million in damages awarded to California resident Edwin Hardiman a user of its product, Roundup, who blamed his cancer on the pharmaceutical and chemical giants glyphosate-based weed killers. The Supreme Court's ruling dealt a blow to bear as the company maneuvers to limit its legal liability in thousands of cases. The justices have a second bear petition pending on a related issue that they could act upon in the coming weeks. The decision comes after U.S. President Joe Biden's administration in May urged the court not to hear the Bayer appeal, reversing the, government, the government's position previously taken 
under former President Donald Trump. Roundup-related lawsuits have dogged Bayer since it acquired the brand as part of its $63 billion purchase of agricultural seeds and pesticides maker Monsanto in 2018. The lawsuit against Bayer have said the company should have warned customers of the alleged cancer risk. Bayer has lost three trials in which Roundup users have been awarded tens of millions of dollars in each while also winning four trials. Bayer had pinned hopes for relief on the conservative majority Supreme Court, which has a reputation for being pro-business. Bayer said it respectfully disagrees with the court's decision and that the company is fully prepared to manage the litigation risk associated with potential future claims in the U.S. Bayer has also warned that allowing these sort of claims will damage innovation in agriculture, health, and other industries. Uh, Bayer, what I would say to you is this. Instead of saying that these sort of claims will damage innovation in agriculture, health, and other industries, how about you look for other ways to produce weed, kill weed killers that will not impact the environment nor cause cancer? How about that? I, okay, so since I live here, Michelle, there's a little thing I'm going to tell you, and I work in a company that sells wheat products. This law is very, 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 very easy to get around. You know what Bayer has to do? They print this very small sticker about the size of your thumb, and they stick it on every single product they have that says Proposition 65. Items in this, um, parts of this item may be cancer-forming. Almost everything you buy in the state of California has a little sticker on it that says Prop 65. This item may have cancer-causing um, effects. Every single thing. So all Bayer has to do is abide by the rules of California and put that little sticker on everything they have. It sounds callous, but that is what California has done. So you can't avoid it. I mean, I'm kidding you not. You buy a bottle of water. You buy clothes in, in Target. It has a sticker on it because they may have some chemical that may be cancer forming. I'm not quoting exact term. If I find one real quick, because when I buy my stuff, I do just take it off and I rip it off because I say, okay, yes, I know this could cause cancer. So I can't sue who made this item for cancer. We import, my company where I work now, imports food product from, um, from Europe and other places. And some items we have to go and oh, not we, but someone in the sales department and, and print those thousands of stickers and put it on every single box, every single can, every single jar to make sure that our consumers have that information. They would be hard-headed. If they did that one of that step, they would be safer. Yeah. I'm done for now. Thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. As you were speaking, Sunette, um, I remember online you're looking at not online is it online probably possibly online but i know i have seen um disclaimers um residents of california and then you see the whole thing about the cancer causing blah 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 and even though it says california if i see a product that says that i'm putting it down not saying that i i have escaped the snares of all products that 
um, have cancer-causing effects because pretty much everything has it, even to the rain that's coming down now because of pollution. But um, yeah, when I read the labels and I see where it says California, blah, 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 may cause cancer, I'm like, okay, put it down, put it down. And I think it's a warning that should be in all states, if you ask me. Yeah. Okay. So the U.S. Senate reaches bipartisan deal on gun control. A bipartisan group of lawmakers in the United States have reached an agreement on major gun control legislation for the first time in nearly 30 years, paving the way for a vote in the Senate by the end of the week. The 80-page bill was released on Tuesday and includes measures to tighten background checks on young people buying weapons, more background checks, and the temporary removal of weapons from those considered a danger to others or themselves. It cleared an initial procedural hurdle by 6434, with 14 Republicans joining all 48 Democrats and two allied independents to back the bill. I believe that this week, we will pass legislation that will become the most significant piece of anti-gun violence legislation Congress will have passed in 30 years. This is a breakthrough, according to Senator Chris Murphy, the lead Democrat in the talks when he spoke on the Senate floor. And more importantly, it is a bipartisan breakthrough. Senate uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer pledged to move forward as soon as possible with an expected motion to proceed. The, this bipartisan gun safety legislation is progress and will save lives. While it is not everything we want, this legislation is urgently needed, Schumer said. The agreement, albeit watered down, marks a breakthrough in the divisive debate over gun control legislation, which has continued despite years of mass shootings. Under the bill, there will also be tougher penalties on gun traffickers, while states and communities will be given financial support to improve school safety and mental health initiatives. But Republicans blocked the more potent proposals supported by President Joe Biden and that Democrats have pushed unsuccessfully for years. These include banning assault-style weapons or raising the minimum age for buying them, prohibiting high-capacity magazines, and requiring background checks for virtually all gun sales so what did we get folks let's see what did we get we got background no okay the 80 page bill was released on tuesday and includes measures to tighten background checks on young people buying weapons more background checks and the temporary removal of weapons from those considered a danger to others or themselves so we got those it's a start i don't know why didn't why why are the republicans so opposed to prohibiting high capacity magazines why why what is the issue with the high capacity magazines for them I don't know. But um baby steps they say, right? So we'll we'll take that. And that's what we said you last week. Argument I heard. You want to hear one of the arguments? Yes, yes, go right ahead. One of the arguments was they got to kill the wild pigs that are that are in Texas. 
Uh, another one is people have people live on farmland, so they have to make sure they have weapons to kill wild animals. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah, we I said. I probably heard about that Uvalde one. Because there's <laughs> wild pigs running around. Uvalde is a great hunting. But you can't eat something that has 10,000 bullets in it. <laughs> so, now, listen. Remember, we said it last week. We read it last week where they said that um, some of the very senators said that they needed to kill prairie dogs and raccoons that were eating the chickens. So now wild pigs too, folks. They need to be able to do hunting yeah. with high-powered <laughs> weapons. So I was in a room, this guy Marshall, oh, I mean, I should not say Marshall's name because he's an idiot. So I'm a little red, I mean, he is a Republican in, in the state of Texas and he comes in a lot of, I go to a lot of rooms in a day um, and where more news, disinformation, misinformation type stuff. And he was talking about keeping his guns because you know, high power weapons are good, but because there's wild boars out in Texas, and my cousin, he was he had to climb up a tree because he didn't have his high power weapon. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm done. I'm 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 just up looking for the marshal now. I'm just speaking. I have I have a friend here in Houston who is black that goes and hunts those big pigs every year. And he does not use no AK-47 or whatever other high-power weapon they're claiming they don't want to vote against. He goes every year, wild boar. <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to add to this. I'd like to add to this. By the boar. Yeah. By the boar. yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And, and you know what else? So this is just, you know, for information purposes, because I own an AR. I've also hunted wild pigs in Waco, Texas, where our family has land. And we did it because they were killing other animals on the, you know, on the ground. So you don't use an AR where you can, but that's not the weapon of choice. Right. Typically, a person who's hunting wild pigs is using a, 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 shot, a shotgun, a shotgun using slugs. Mm hmm. So they're using, they're using a shotgun, which is extremely high-powered. An AR is not necessarily a high-powered rifle because you can use 22 ammo on an AR. You can use 5.56. You can use 300 blackout. Those are different types of ammunition that you can use. It's a versatile weapon, right, depending on what type of AR you have. It's not a matter of being high-powered because there are, more we there are weapons more powerful. That one just has a high velocity, right? And so... Cause I can take the same ammo I use in my 22 rifle, which is a, which you use for rabbits, squirrels, stuff like that. Small, small animals. I can take that same bullet and use it in an AR. That's, that's, that's set up for 22 ammunition. So it's the same thing. So people do use them for small game hunting. I haven't, I have I don't know a lot of people that's using them for big game, right? They usually using a high powered rifle that, that has a, you know, a pretty large bullet. But we use we use shotgun slugs because you don't play with with them, those kind of animals. So it's just a matter of understanding. They they know they can exploit us on the basis of what we don't know about am, mm -hmm. about guns, right? Mm -hmm. So when you hear people saying we we need them for this or we need them for that, it's it's a quick way to make people look really dumb. You can find out who doesn't know anything about 
guns or hunting when it comes to stuff like that. You know, people are just making up stuff, right? <laughs> the benefit, the only benefit I have in owning my own is I don't want, I don't want to have to go get another magazine when I had 30 rounds. I don't have to worry about nothing. No matter what, right? If I got to sit and wait, you know how you watch a movie, you be like, oh, he got about six bullets left. <laughs> and then you're in a bad situation. That, that's pretty much what it's for. It's a self-defense item. And it's not something you want to use in a building either. Because if you ever shoot one of those guns in a building, your your ears are going to ring forever if you don't have ear protection. Because it is extremely loud to shoot an AR. Wow. So, so those are the dynamics. It's not necessarily just a high-powered we weapon. It's not even more high-powered than some of the other weapons that are out there. It's a matter of the capacity of that magazine and it being able to hold thirty rounds, <laughs> and 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 being and having accuracy with that with that with that uh particular setup. I, I remember growing up, Chief, with my dad. Right, he would go hunting, bird hunting every year. He and a group of um gentlemen would go bird hunting out in the um different places yeah um he had a shotgun for that that was what he had a shotgun for for hunting none of them had any <laughs> not that i know if they would be able to get one legally in jamaica anyway but yeah shotgun and that's what they took once a year and they went hunting for birds yeah um, but I guess nowadays you need the ARs to do hunting. I don't know. Rip that meat up. <laughs> That's what an AR does, doesn't it? Destroy whatever it is you're killing or shooting at. I don't know. Well, I mean, not any, not any more than a shotgun. A shotgun can tear your whole body in half. AR can't do that. It's just gonna shoot a hole through you. Okay. Right. That's that's the significant difference. It's just it, I, the the argument should be. The people who are using these weapons in mass shooting are shooting a large number of bullets. They're shooting a large amount of bullets at a particular in a particular situation. So if you got you go into a school building and you got thirty rounds in a magazine, you got thirty opportunities to kill somebody, right? So that's why the argument is eliminating high capacity magazines, right? That's the real argument. You know, but but what is a person going to do? They'll just buy multiple magazines. That's why you see people wearing a vest. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven magazines on a vest, depending on how many, how many, how many, uh, how, what your setup looks like. So it's not going to change that. It's just, it's just the convenience of having for a killer or a protector of having a large capacity magazine. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone, for your contribution on that topic topic it is time for us to take another quick break when we return we have business and tech and health and science news here's a little bit more from our hashtag wcw artist tina turner as we celebrate woman crush wednesday Talk. The words got caught in our throats. If 
To all our listeners, logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee in Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views.
don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, on Instagram at Moments with Me Media, and subscribe to the YouTube channel Moments with Me Media. Like, share, comment, and click on that notification bell. It is hashtag WCW Woman Crush Wednesday, and today our WCW artist is Tina Turner. Earlier we heard Look Me in the Heart, Let's Stay Together, and now Missing You. time for business and tech news. Twitter's board approves Elon Musk's $44 billion Twitter takeover bid. Elon Musk is closer to completing his $44 billion takeover of Twitter. On Tuesday, the company's board of directors unanimously approved Musk's buyout offer. Shares of Twitter were up by nearly 1% as of early morning Tuesday, selling for a little more than $38 a share, which is well below the $54.20 per share tender offer from Musk. The regulatory filing comes several days after Musk hosted a virtual all-hands meeting with Twitter employees, which was the latest sign that the richest man in the world is very serious about following through on his acquisition plans. However, Musk had previously threatened to cancel the deal unless the social media platform offered solid proof that less than 5% of its daily users are spam and bot accounts. In recent statements, Musk claimed that he estimated that as much of 20% of Twitter's 229 million users are actually spam bots, four times the figure touted by the company, the New York Post reported. In a filing with the SEC on Tuesday that detailed a letter to investors, Twitter's board of directors announced that it unanimously recommends that you vote for the adoption of the merger agreement. If the deal closes now, investors of the company would walk away with a profit of $15.22 for each share they own. Jack Dorsey, the co-founder of Twitter, who stepped down as the company's CEO last year, guess how much he's expected to pocket? $978 million once Musk's takeover is complete. Parag Agrawal, who is the current chief executive of the San Francisco-based tech giant, will pocket $42 million. Dorsey owns 2.4% of the company, 18,042,428 shares, according to SEC filings. Sheesh. Whew, big numbers. Wow. Okay. So, he is going to f- go through with it. I don't know if you, I hope you all were listening last night on either QMZRadio.com or um, I think it was on QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, Viscosity Blend, Future FM. Last night we were talking about his daughter that walked away. Yeah, she wants her name changed. Uh, She wants nothing to do with the mosque. She's transgender. Um, And there's a hearing 
that's going to happen July. No, I'm sorry, this Friday. Yeah, she wants her name changed to her mother's last name. Um, and I didn't even know that Musk had seven children or has. Has, let me correct that because they're alive. He has seven children. Five with one woman. The other two, I'm not sure if they're with the same woman or two different women, but yeah. So this particular daughter is one of five that from his previous marriage. Yeah. Yeah. She's walking away. She wants nothing to do with him. How many of us would be able to walk away from the richest man in the world being your dad, knowing that you're stepping away from financial security and a piece of legacy that will be left behind? Not necessarily because you do have some very wealthy people who have opted not to leave a dime for their children. Right? Oh, yeah. You what? have to know understanding the family dynamic that we may not preview to. And she's one of those examples is what legacy, you know, he's living. You know, we're looking at the money, but you don't know what else that comes with. You know, um, there's a real reason why Elon Musk went by Twitter. He was going to have access to our data from the time we were 15. He, he's putting his hand in a lot of data for every single social economic groups in this country and worldwide. So you don't know what legacy that she's seen and she's understanding at home and things that she's hearing that we're not privy to. Money is not everything sometimes. That's, you know, that's important. So... Now when I say legacy, Dr. Daphne, I'm not speaking just about money, but I'm thinking of everything, the whole portfolio. And I look at him as a portfolio, right? Um, the advancements in technology, right? Um, what is it called society, though? That's what I'm saying. But the thing is this, we all have good and evil in us. We all do things that people agree with and people disagree with. You know what I mean? With certain money bring a level of um, crime against humanity that you and I wouldn't be able to do even with our worst evil days. Money, as you know, show people who you are. You know, it's not people who say all of a sudden you change. No, these people were either really kind or unkind. Not to the level that Elon Musk, the seven millionaires, you, you have no clue what these people are doing, especially in Africa and other low socioeconomic places where they can get away with these things where the law are not clear. You have no idea. Portfolio is the right word and legacy is the right word. You don't know what these people are doing because that money affording, they could change government, as you can tell. They change anything they want. So, yeah, that's important. Ah. Uh. Strong points, valid points, every single one of them. And here's the thing. Whether we want to believe it or not, we participate in a lot of the atrocities because of the demands that we have. Our need for wanting more. We want jewelry because we want to look good. And we don't think about the cost that it comes at. Lives. Let's think about blood diamonds. Let's talk about our cell phones. We want the most up-to-date equipment in the palm of our hands. Computers. Oh, we need our computers to go faster and faster. Not realizing that everything that we are demanding to make our lives easier comes at the expense 
of humanity. So in some way, we are, not in some way, we are contributing. We're contributing to pollution through globally. Every time we step into a store and purchase something that has to be manufactured, we are contributing to pollution. We're driving vehicles. We're contributing to pollution. So we all have a hand in some way, shape, or form. And while I get it, I do get it that, you know, there are people who commit atrocities and crimes against humanity, which I hate, I abhor, believe you me. Sometimes I do have to step back and say, hold on a second. Am I facilitating this crime for humanity? By wanting certain things? Clothing. Let's look at clothing. Do we know the true cost to make an item of clothing? When we're paying, let's say, $200 for a Calvin Klein dress. Okay, we walk into Macy's or any department store, we pick up a $200 Calvin Klein dress. Do we know the true cost of that dress? Do we know the conditions under which those dresses are made? The clothing industry is a sweatshop industry. But we want to look good. So we don the clothing. How many of us are pushing back on these clothing manufacturers and saying, no, you can't be paying people 20 cents to make something that you're going to turn around and sell for $200. When, when the truth is, the end cost is probably $20 when you're factoring shipping and all of that. So we're facilitating it all around one way or another. Crimes against humanity. I look at what Dr. Daphne is saying as far as Musk's daughter is. Would you want your last name to be Hitler? Oh, no. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's what I get from what Dr. Daphne is saying. No, no, I totally get that. Um, uh, I totally agree with her on that. The legacy that's going to be attached. Is it going to be something good or is it going to be something bad? But I'm just looking at the bigger picture in terms of what we allow these mega rich people to do. Because, you know, go ahead. Someone else open their mic. Go right ahead. Yes. So um, my thing is that I think with Elon Musk, I think we have never seen a billionaire or a so-called richest man in the world with his type of personality. And I think that he, he is like, you know, in, in, in the process of being the most dangerous billionaire that we have ever seen. And, and that's why, like, for me, like, I'm stepping back now and, and, and thinking, like, do I really need a Tesla? Like, mm -hmm. to build this man's wealth? Because he is, I don't know, like, it's, it's almost like Trump, like, plant a seed. Because this guy, you've never heard, you've never heard his name. You've, you've never heard much about him until Tesla just blew up. And all of a sudden, like, his personality is just like a personality that we have never seen. We, we, we have not seen that in, in, in Mark Zuckerberg. We haven't seen that in, in Bill Gates. It's just like a, a personality that's, that's just like... And, and the fact that he's going to have, like, you know, millions of data, 
like I think the American government and governments all over the world should be nervous that this guy is going to have the ability to go into like, say like, you know, a Joe Biden's Twitter account and, 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 and have access to everything to, to like a Boris Johnson account and have access to everything, you know? So yeah, I, I don't blame, I don't blame his daughter. Like sometimes, you know, money, you know, we on the outside looking in because look at um, Bill Gates, one of Bill Gates' um, sons, like goes around and, and plays, he's a musician and he goes around and plays music in bars across the US. And he, 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 he dressed like in flip flops and you'd never see him. He looked like a, a madman, like if you, if, you, if you look at him or somebody that's very poor and he lived very minimal, you know? He's not like these rappers who are like 200 cars and this, that, very minimal. And his, his, his dad is like a, a multi-billionaire. So yeah, sometimes we might be on the outside and think that, oh, it's going to be hard to walk away from that. But that person like is surviving you know they're not looking at the billions they're more worried about the legacy because as you know Jivet just said like the you know like what if when his story is is finished you know at the end of his journey and his story is written you don't want like a you know a name like a hitler or you know whatever beside yeah. your name you know your legacy or or you would you think that the trump name is going to be destroyed after Trump is gone, you know, like all the kids might want to change their name. So, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's more. I love it. Love the conversation about it. But yeah, Dr. Daphne made valid points. Javette made valid points. And you so have you as well. Valid points. Um, You know, Mar this is something Marlon says all the time, and it was just said in here this morning too. People don't all of a sudden become who they are. Access to money allows them now to be who they, to, to, to portray who they really are. Show, show, shows the world the real them. Their true colors come to the forefront. But do you think we have some responsibility in helping to bring them out? And yes, James, I agree. Is a Tesla something you really want? How do we shape and mold someone? Or how do we slow them down because we see that they are a possible detriment to society? They came out with things. They produced things that are beneficial to us that we say, yes, we can use these things and yes, makes our life better. But are we looking at them per se? Or are we looking at them but separating the product from the person and saying, you know what? Yes, I know this is how they are. I, you know, I'm not a supporter of them, but I love the product. But technically, if you support the product, aren't you supporting the person and facilitating their lifestyle, their train of thought and adding fuel to the fire, so to speak. Isn't that kind of what we're doing? Just wondering. And I'm all for walking away for whatever you don't believe in. Believe you me, I am. Believe you me, I... And I... I, I <laughs> let me put it this way. There are people I know who have access to the wherewithals of life. 
but who have chosen not to use their access. They play life or they um, live in a very simple fashion. They choose to go through the harder way. Yeah, there are many people like that, James, believe it or not. And I happen to know a few of them. You, and people looking on say, but you have these contacts. Why don't you use them? And the people say, no, I don't want to use the contacts. I just want to be a normal person like everybody else. And others may say, but you're foolish for doing that. And they say, no. If you only knew what I knew, you'd understand why I operate the way I do. So I totally get why she's doing what she's doing. Yes, Dr. Daphne, I just have to throw that monkey wrench in there. <laughs> All right. No, I'm just um, another thing to think about because we look at money because majority of society don't have the level of money. So we think, right? So by the time we recognize the detrimental to humanity, it's already too late because there's so many things that have already happened. I am part of a, a group that we have access to Elon Musk, so a lot of the stuff that he's putting out in the world, we've seen it ahead of time. But majority of the people in the group are European and Indian, right? They are the tech gurus. There's a gentleman in that group consistently bring forth these atrocities but he come across so condescending, right, and, and rude, so no one is paying attention, even though he's sharing the truth of what's going on. Mm. So don't forget, there's, there's this level of some of those European male, they want to pretend they're doing good. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they, they, they are the savior. That is a real thing. Because I'm in the group, I'm watching the dynamic of what's going on. The gentleman is from Germany, so he's a little rough around the edges. And he's rough around the edges. He's actually throwing facts and throwing data to let them know this is what the Gates Foundation is doing. This is what the COVID is doing. This is what Elon Musk is doing. He literally has facts. He, he's one of the IT architecture. No one is paying attention. Why is the way he's delivering it, number one? Number two, they stay in their own world thinking of that, I'm going to save the world. They don't take in. They don't look around. They don't listen. They don't take nothing out. So when you ask the question, can we change? Can we deter? Yes, but it's going to take a lot. And who will deter? Because when they set their mind, like someone that Elon Musk set his mind to do something, I can't see. I watched them. I listened to them enough. Who can that change his mind? Because no matter what you say to him, one, he thinks he's more intelligent in the world, and two, he sees you as a distraction. Mm. How can someone with that personality? And now, the key thing, Twitter, have your account since you were 15. He's going to have 50 to 60 years of your personality because you're posting so long. He has access to every race, gender, everything, like I, I think James said, he is going to be dangerous. So, and we don't know how. I hope he's coming in to help society, but with that kind of power and that kind of personality, one never know. And by the time we figure it out, it's going to be too late. But to answer the question, who, who's going to sit, who can you see Elon must listen to? That's it. No, don't do that. It's going to hurt society overall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
these these men because their personality type want what they want at any cost so i don't see that happening oh boy yeah we can only try to do our best to live the right way right Thank you so much, everyone. Kroger, ha Kroger Harris Teeter faced backlash for removing controversial pro-American items. Kroger and Harris Teeter are facing the backlash after removing pro-American and conservative items. America, love it or leave it, and give me liberty or give me death are just some of the phrases written on products previously sold at some Kroger's and Harrison Teeter's. Some of the products, including drink sleeves with designs of a bald eagle holding a gun, the line of items was part of a series called the Freedom Series. The items became a topic for discussion after someone took, a took to Twitter and complained about the items, saying some of them were insensitive to the recent mass shootings the country has experienced. Why are you allowing this type of item to be sold at your grocery store in Huntersville, North Carolina? Clearly, in light of the recent mass shootings, you can understand how this is not a good idea, wrote the Twitter user. Both stores responded after Twitter users tagged them in complaint tweets. The items have since been discontinued at both stores. Thanks for reaching out, Christy. We will tell our leadership about your request that we remove these items from our shelves. We appreciate your feedback, wrote Kroger's Twitter. Thanks for reaching out, said Harris Teeter. As soon as these items were brought to our attention, we put a recall request into place and these items are being removed from all store locations. We appreciate your concern. The backlash then came from people who were in favor of the items. Are you serious? This is a stupid response. Not shopping at Kroger anymore for being anti-American, said a Twitter user. So you're anti-American if you're sensitive to what's going on. <laughs> moment, moment. Help me. What is it? I meant my phone went out. Uh -huh. They took off. What's on the shelf? What is the item? So they, okay, hold on. Let me go back. Some products, drink sleeves, um, and other products that are part of the Freedom Series. And they have designs of a bald eagle holding a gun. America, love it or leave it, and give me liberty or give me death are some of the phrases that are written on some of these products. Yeah. Okay, redneck gear. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So, of course, they're saying that Kroger is anti-American for removing the products so they don't care that there are massacres going on they really don't care continue that's another day in the hood let's let's go right moments i have, I have a question <laughs> go right ahead uh, james does does anyone think that you know it was a mistake um you know back in the the 50s and 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 stuff to to integrate america to stop like um, segregated school because in 2020 now you know with all the the, the knowledge that that the, the average american have now about um the black wall street and and that you know black wall street is not 
just this one great thing that happened that there were like hundreds of black self-sustained community across the country and people were thriving do we know i think that it's a mistake to, to integrate to fight for, for integration and, and and don't you think like america just say for example like you have you know like states different states across america that um you know these people people confederate people can be like comfortable in their own hateful things doing their their own whatever hateful stuff that they you know use whatever racial or whatever word they want in in their community and you have like communities like like new york city or the states of new york that that embrace diversity that are mixed and then you'd have other cities that are like you know predominantly like black black culture you know embrace like you know the whole um african american culture and you know embrace whatever other people from africa or the caribbean can we see that being a better option now than because to me like this thing is never going to go away with the confederate um with what they believe in and with what some of you know white america believe i, I don't see it going away and I, I just think that to to fight for integration and 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 you know the the destruction of the black wall street and all the other communities that were destroyed I could see it now, like in 2020, like if those um, communities were thriving, that America would probably be segregated in, in, in some of the, some parts, but probably a better American, you know, than, than what it is now. Okay. So, James, you're saying pretty much is fighting for incorporation, unification, consolidation, what we should be fighting for? Or should we be fighting for equality? Quite frankly, you can't force anyone to integrate. Really and truly, integration is a personal choice when you think about it. I choose to do this, to integrate with you. When we, you know, because you can force someone to integrate, you can force someone to do that, but you're not really changing their train of thought. They're going to feel the way they feel, and that is what we're seeing today. This is my opinion. We're seeing that we're living amongst each other, but we really don't <coughs> accept each other. However, what I do support is equality. And in equality, in the push for equality, I am saying it's okay for you not to like me because the truth is I don't like everybody regardless i do not like and if you sit there and tell me you like everybody something is off you don't like everybody because there are differences we don't like people who shout and yell and scream all day long we don't like people who curse at their kids we don't like people who do a myriad of things but what i will do is i will coexist and i will respect you i don't know moment yes chief go ahead so 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 this integration thing i think we we it's imperative that we have a really a really a, a very clear definition of what integration was really about right because i think it was one thing for us and another thing for another group of people so integration for us or integration for them specifically white people during that time period lyndon johnson said at the time black people were the richest nation within a nation he taught how he convinced southerners 
to go along with integration is he said, we're not integrating the people, we're integrating the money because they are the sixth richest nation in the nation. So he was telling the, the white Southerners, you boys are missing out on billions of dollars because you because of because of this illusion of of, of racism, right? You it's about the money. Mm-hmm. You miss it out on this money is lodging, gas stations, your 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 restaurants, everything. All of this money is if you don't if you don't get a hold on this, what those people are going to do as long as they're separated, they're going to invest in themselves and they will continue to grow and thrive. The only way to challenge that is to make them is to maintain a sense of dependency right we depend we depend on you for food clothing and shelter the thing about the south is the south knows that we are dependent Mm -hmm. they've always known it because they look at us we even talk about it in our in our own public discussions and we talk about how we we're nothing but consumers we don't build anything we're just consumers you think they're not listening to the conversation and when we have the conversation it reinforces their ideas and their ideology that we depend on them Mm-hmm. Right. So we know that integration did not work for us. It wasn't designed to work for us. We had an idea of what it meant for us. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it meant those of us who were traveling, let's say, from Oklahoma to Alabama. We didn't need the green. We didn't need the green book anymore. Right. To figure out what's the safest place for me to stay or where can I go get gas or do I have to carry a gas can and, and pack a gas can tied to my trunk because I know I can't get gas for the next 50, 75 miles. Right. It was a matter of convenience for us. Mm-hmm. And, and this idea of equity, I, I understand the, I mean, not equity, equality, because I think equity and equality are two different things. But I don't think we need to strive for equality. We, because we, we've always superseded society. We've always transcended, despite every odd, we've always gone above and beyond the expectation of society. Mm-hmm. So we, we're, we're trying to find equality in a dysfunctional society. Like, what are we equalizing with? As if this is a, a, a just normal society that we want to be equal to. I don't want to be equal to that. I, I, I tell my children all the time, you are better than the, you better than the society that's judging you. You, you don't live to their standard. You, we don't, their standard does not, it, it, it's, it's, it reeks of, of stink, right? It reeks of dysfunction. It reeks of turmoil. Why would we try to make ourselves equal to people, to a society that we know is oppressive? It's not even in our nature. That's why we haven't got there yet. Mm-hmm. Because we're trying to adjust to something that is not, we've always, I mean, we have so many examples of how we have everything we need to build, to create, to manifest, to sustain ourselves on our own standing, on our own leg. Like we are the example of success. We are the example of having survived every obstacle that I, that I, that people have been faced with. I know I'm long winded right now, but I'm feeling very passionate about this. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and it's really like, it's, I'm just throwing up a big mirror in front of us and saying, look, we need to look at ourselves and really look at the greatness, the collective greatness that we have. We, we're in this hypnosis, right? And we're waiting for these magic words to happen that'll wake us up and say, Oh my God, all this time I've been thinking I'm a frog and I'm a prince. You know what I'm saying? It's like we, we got to break out of that. So anyway, thank you for letting me be long-winded and, and for sharing my thoughts. That's all right. Thank you so much. So equality. Most people learn the term equality from social issues, right? And um, learning that treating people equally is part of being a decent person. So I'm coming from the um, theological perspective of equality. I look at you as a human being. You look at me as a human being. You're no better than me. 
I'm no better than you. Now, when I think about equity, I think about um, striving to achieve the best possible um, outcome for an individual, case by case. Um, let me see if I can give an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, we have our children, seven brothers, seven different minds, right? Each child is different. So you love them equally. You treat them all the same. You feed them, you clothe them, you provide for them, right? Now the equity for me, if I'm going to, and I hope I make sense when I'm saying this, all right, I'm trying to put, verbalize it. Equity for me in this situation with the children is that I understand the difference in how each one learns, the difference in how each one responds. And based upon their differences, I respect the differences in each one. And as a result of my respecting their differences, I tailor my approach to each one with the hope that the outcome or the end result will be the same. If what I just said makes sense, let me know. Yeah, so equality, just using your definition, it, you, you, you spoke of equality having something to do with, with morality, right? Yes. Like a moral compass. Well, we, but we live in a society that does not operate under that standard, right? So when we're seeking equality, we're, we're asking for equality to a, from a society that does not value, that doesn't have a moral ethnic code, ethic code. I mean, look at, just like the example we just talked about. You want a, you want a eagle holding a gun in a grocery store and you want to renounce anybody who opposes it because it's anti-american right but you got other americans who disagree with it mm -hmm. but you but the people who are speaking you don't view them the same you're not equal to us you don't even have a voice in this go back to africa right it's that whole argument right. or wherever you come from but then the, the idea of equity when i look at equity i think about it you know because i participate in equity studies and usually it's based on the collective idea of what equity looks like like why do we have a why do we have a lifespan gap between whites and blacks why do you have a generational wealth gap between blacks and whites why do you have a access to education or health care the disparities between those two groups is because of inequity inequity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we seek equity so that we can have equitable an equitable society where everybody is able to benefit on a fair on fair grounds right right that's why i was saying equity and equality have different have different uh Meetings. ways that they operate yeah. yeah 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 thank you so much appreciate that thank you okay we'll yeah. take one more comment james and then we have to keep it moving go right ahead okay yeah i i think one of the thing that um, we need to understand too i think in terms of equity mm -hmm. government has control over equity in terms of you know creating an environment that everyone can can succeed in whether you're a doctor you're a farmer you're a shoemaker, dressmaker whatever and government has control over, over, over that. But in terms of equality, I think e equality has to do with society itself. Like people in society have more control over equality than what the government has. The government, in, in their limitations, they can, they can set environments, like in terms of, you know, healthcare, education, whatever structure. 
to make sure that you know a, a, a multicultural society and um, people with different mindset different goals and aspiration can succeed in that one environment but uh, but humanity i think us as humans we have more control over equality whether we see a woman less of than you know me as a man or whether you see like a gay person government does not control that government cannot control how you think or you look at someone else if i'm 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 someone and i don't like someone because they're gay government has no control over that so i think there, there's a difference and, and uh, i'll just leave it right there all right thank you so much james appreciate it and thank you chief so washington in a pointed back and forth the head of chevron complained tuesday that president joe biden has vilified energy firms at a time when gasoline prices are at near record levels and the president responded that the oil company ceo was being mildly sensitive the president in recent weeks has criticized oil producers and refiners for maximizing profits and making more money than god rather than increasing production in response to higher prices as the economy recovers from the pandemic and feels the effects of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Michael Worth, chairman and CEO of Chevron, sent Biden a letter via email on Tuesday that said the president's own words have been self-defeating in terms of encouraging companies to boost their output. Chevron is investing in more production, Worth wrote, but your administration has largely sought to criticize and at times vilify our industry these actions are not beneficial to meeting the challenges we face and are not what the american people deserve the oil company ceo said he wanted a more cooperative relationship with the government let's work together worth wrote the american people rightly expect our country's leaders and industry to address the challenges they are facing in a serious and resolute manner. Asked about those comments, Biden displayed no sympathy. He's madly sensitive, Biden said. I don't know they'd get their feelings hurt that quickly. Look, we need more refining capacity. This idea that they don't have oil to drill and to bring up is simply not true. Average gas prices are nearly $5 a gallon nationwide, a strain on commuters, and a political albatross for Biden's fellow Democrats going into the midterm elections. That has left the White House scrambling for solutions, including a possible suspension of the 18.4 cents a gallon federal gas tax. Biden plans to decide by the end of the week if the tax should be suspended, a move meant to relieve gas uh, price pressures, and that would need approval from a reluctant Congress. The gas tax funds highways, but Biden said Tuesday any lost revenue would not have a major impact on road construction because of last year's $1 trillion infrastructure law. So, President Joe Biden on Wednesday, today, will call on Congress to suspend federal gasoline and diesel taxes for three months, a move meant to ease financial pressures at the pump that also reveals the political toxicity of high gas prices in an election year. The Democratic president will also call on states to suspend their own gas taxes or provide similar relief, according to administration officials, who previewed his proposals on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak publicly. At issue is the 18.4 cents a gallon federal tax on gas 
and the 24.4 cents a gallon federal tax on diesel fuel. If the gas savings were fully passed along to consumers, people would save roughly 3.6% of the pump when prices are averaging about $5 a gallon nationwide. But many economists and lawmakers from both parties view the idea of a gas tax holiday with skepticism. Barack Obama, during the 2008 presidential campaign, called the idea a gimmick that allowed politicians to say that they did something. He also warned that oil companies could offset the tax relief by increasing their prices. High gas prices pose a fundamental threat to Biden's electoral and policy ambitions. They've caused confidence in the economy to slump to lows that bode poorly for defending Democratic control of the House and Senate in November. So who is coming in the room or who in the room is taking our news back? is listening and has the contacts and not telling Moment. us they have the contacts moments it's funny because i was just thinking that you know maybe maybe government is tapping into your network <laughs> hence i have to heed javette's warning and be careful what i say <laughs> but somebody is listening or is it this thing if you put it out in the universe and somehow the universe takes it to them and it falls on the, the right airs? But um, we are no economists. We are no political analysts. We are just regular Schnegler, according to Cardi B, um, citizens who are living day by day facing the various crises that are presented to us and having to navigate them. That's what we are. And I would like to think that everybody else is the same. It's just that some choose, and I'm going to use the word choose, to detach themselves from the reality of what's going on. And then you have another group who literally, quite frankly, point blank, don't give two cents. They just don't care. You know what's interesting? Two moments. Um, you're talking about um, uh, was it Ven Venezuela? You're talking about yes. The, the, the... Yes. Yes. So, so you know, that's why for me, like, I, I like to think for myself. I don't like to let you know popular media or, or people tell you how to think. Right. You know, when when you look at when you look at you know what's seen as a democracy, you know, as America, like the biggest democracy in the world, right? And and you look at some other country that would seem to lean to more war, lean towards more like communists. When you look at somebody, you look at because what's interesting with Venezuela and with Saudi, with with in Dubai, um, the United Arab Emirates and those places is that the people that control the oil are the people that control the country, the governments, right? They have a big stake. So when when anything is going on, the government can take a hit. And, and, and kind of um, he's the pressure of the people. In America now, which is a democracy, you know, all of those oil are owned by the oil billionaires and they have the power to push back on governments and government can't tell them what to do. So you see like, you know, um, Biden is trying to grow some balls and, and, and step up and, and say something and then the pushback that he's getting mm -hmm. because these oil giants... They can do. They can do better. America has a, one of the biggest oil reserves in the world. America shouldn't be feeling anything. 
Americans should be regular. Like if you go to Jamaica or some other country and gas is expensive, you say, okay, but not in the, the great powerful America. So, you know, it's an advantage of being, you know, some leadership style. There are certain advantages in, in some leadership style. The government can just step in and say, look, this is what you're going to pay for, for, for gas. But in America, you don't have the same privilege to do that because the big wigs control, not the government. Yeah, that luxury. Thank you so much, James. In health and science news, bosses want video call cameras on, but workers may have a strong argument against appearing on screen when they do not want to. And this story comes to us courtesy of BBC. Good morning, team. If we could all turn our cameras on for this meeting, that'd be great. It's a line that has become a common refrain in the remote work era, but one that many employees dread. Platforms such as Zoom were a blessing when COVID-19 lockdowns hit, allowing many people to work from home. But two and a half years into the pandemic, that same technology has become something of a curse too. These days, millions of workers spend hours each day on video calls, exhausting themselves, trying to decode colleagues' body language or distracted by their own image on screen. Having a camera on can often be seen as a sign of engagement, proof an employee really is committed to their work, but experts also suggest turning off cameras could, along with mitigating the annoyance of always appearing on screen, improve worker well-being and makes meetings more efficient to boot. How cameras on became the norm. At the beginning of the pandemic, it made a lot of sense that people wanted to be on camera because we were living under the premise that this was going to be a two-week pause of our lives. And so we were like, we want to see everybody, we want to connect, says Alison Gabriel, professor of management and organizations at the University of Arizona. And she has studied Zoom fatigue, the effects of Zoom fatigue, I might add. But experts say the reason we still view cameras on as the default today is tied to long-standing problematic norms linked to presenteeism, which preceded the pandemic. Historically, workers have felt pressure to be visible in front of the boss. In the office, that might mean working long hours, networking, or simply finding ways to draw attention to your contribution. Once remote work started, that pressure to be seen shifted to virtual meetings. Staff felt that they had to have cameras on so the bosses could see them and their commitment. Research shows workers have read their employers' rights. Data shows bosses fair staff whose cameras are off may be slacking. One 2022 survey showed in 92% of executives believe people who turn their cameras off do not have a long-term future at the company. There's also an element of micromanagement. Bosses who ask workers to switch webcams on are shifting controlling office behaviors to the virtual world. It's the closest to what we know. If you're a manager, you're used to the old way of work, which was you can kind of roam the halls to see if people are at their desks working, explains Gabriel. But as workers well know, leaving cameras on for everything can take a toll and exasperate Zoom fatigue, a tiredness linked to factors like fixating on your own 
on-camera appearance, and the cognitive strain of trying to pick up on nonverbal cues that are much easier to interpret in person. Zoom does have a function that hides your own face on your screen while still being visible to others. Hmm. These distractions may also reduce productivity. If workers are focusing on themselves and how they might be perceived rather than the meeting itself, says Winnie Shen, an associate professor of organization studies at York University in Canada, turning cameras off can eliminate these distractions and allow workers to be more engaged in the meeting. And being out of vision might even enable employees to work more productively by multitasking as they listen. In reality, what I'm wanting to be doing as I listen is taking notes, looking something up, trying to filter through tabs and seeing if I can contribute to the meeting, she said. Plus, a cameras off approach has the potential to create more inclusive organizations. Research shows that newcomers to organizations can experience more Zoom fatigue because they think showing their face more often to their new colleagues is especially important. Women are also impacted. How? Because they are more likely to work from home due to childcare. Additionally, that some research found that introverts experience Zoom fatigue more acutely than extroverts, and I can speak on that, turning off the camera could help mitigate stress for workers in these many groups who might be most affected. So, what's the best practice for the future? The good news is that things could be changing. While Gabriel believes pe seeing people on camera genuinely helps workers who miss their colleagues, Video call burnout and a greater push for worker flexibility could shift Zoom etiquette into a new direction. So I would recommend that people who have Zoom fatigue, people who are introverts like myself, who don't like being on camera because of various reasons, you're a very self-conscious one, you don't like people looking at you, to, um, you feel there's an invasion you may have a very strong argument and you can come together and create a pushback. I don't know. How do you all feel about it? Should they do away with Zoom? And if on Zoom, should you be allowed the choice to decide if you want to be seen on camera or not? For those of you who do work via Zoom, not sure if Rosola can speak. I know she uses Zoom a lot in her job function. I can speak. Okay, go right ahead. I do feel that um, I should be the one to decide whether I should be seen on camera or not. But I do understand the necessity because sometimes when you're face to face with someone, whatever you're speaking on is received better. Because mm -hmm. they can see the expressions and the... Um, their energy that you're putting in in what you're speaking on. Mm -hmm. But um, there are times, because I'm on Zoom just about every other day, there are times where we don't need to see each other. Right. And we can just speak like we're having a telephone call. Exactly. So, Javette, what I'm gathering is it should be by choice, freedom of choice, and number two, if the need arises, 
on a need by need on a uh need, what is it case by need i can't forget the term now but need by need basis right i i know for my company because it's a private company they're using zoom also as an attendance catcher ah, okay. to see where people are <laughs> <laughs> they want to scan your you know, surroundings I can be on vacation and working, you know, on Wi-Fi and you think that I'm here in the States when I'm not. But Javette, And I'm technically not taking a vacation. Is that a bad thing, though? As long as you're getting the job done, shouldn't we be at a point where you know something? Let us allow people to operate in spaces that, are, that they find to be most productive for them. As long as they're we're achieving the end result. 10,000 ways to skin a cat. Choose one. What are your thoughts on that? I agree with you, but there's always a few people that muck it up for the rest of us. Ah, yes, like having bubble baths and sipping champagne while on the job. I get it. <laughs> and instead of reprimanding those people, they do it collectively. You mm -hmm. know, like when we were younger and one person do something bad, but your mom would beat all y'all. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. All right. <sighs> wow. Time for another music break. After we, when we return, we will have Sports Caribbean Corner and news out of Latin America. Here's some more from the one and only super talented Tina Turner.
Listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at MeMediaMoments on Instagram, Moments with Me Media. And subscribe to the YouTube channel, Moments With Me Media. Like, share, comment, and click on that notification bell. Today, we are listening to the music of Tina Turner. She's our hashtag WCW artist. So far, we heard from the best, 
we don't need another hero and right now it's what's love got to do with it Now it is time for sports news. Delonte West says he's doing okay, but in between jobs after being spotted panhandling last week, and a clip, a video clip of him, of the former NBA uh, player, went viral. In response to the clip, West told Image Direct, it is what it is. I got children. I'm in between jobs. People can help me as much as they can, but you know, as a man, I got to do what I got to do for my babies. The ex-Mavs player tried out for the big three league this past year. However, he did not make the cut. I was excited to have the opportunity, Wes said. I'll be there next season. I'll be there rooting guys on. He also shared that in the past three seasons, he worked as a scout for the Dallas Mavericks and Boston Celtics. He hopes to land a coaching role with an NBA team very soon. I was actually looking forward to being a head coach or assistant coach in the NBA this season, but like I said, it's a business that has a lot of people involved and want to stay involved. Prayerfully. Luckily, I'll be up for discussion this upcoming season. The 38-year-old spent his eight-year NBA career with the Boston Celtics and Cleveland Cavaliers. He last appeared with the Dallas Mavericks for the 2011-2012 season. Okay. I have a problem with this. Why is he panhandling? What did he do with his money? Anybody knows anything more about him? What did he do with his money? Because, and yes, misfortune can happen to all of us. Yes, it can. We can have setbacks. I also do believe a lot of our setbacks, especially when we have been given opportunities, I believe some of our setbacks are based on poor decisions. I believe. Now, I don't know his history or anything about him. It's the first time hearing about him. But when I came across the story excuse me, last night, I'm like, former NBA player. You had the opportunity, you worked as a scout. What's up? What's going on? Yeah, and, and the thing, you know, when we were having the conversation the other day, yes. you know, this is, this, is, <laughs> this is one of the things that I was talking about, like, the, the, the NBA, like, they... The like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Giannis, that's like 5% of the NBA. You know, like this guy obviously wasted his money because he, he, he was a decent player. He's not like a, a star or a superstar, but he's one of those players. I don't know like what, what was his biggest contract, but this guy was a guy that, that would have been making at least at the height of his career, like say between 5 or $10 million a year. You know, because he's he's decent. Um, so I think one of the things is like a lot of these guys go on these NBA team because I think he was playing when um what's his name was playing for, for was he playing for Boston too? 
for the Celtics? I can't remember, but yeah, yes, a lot the of these article says he played. Players. He played with Boston. Yes, yeah, so he was playing with with um, what's his name that got injured? Um, that that guy that that got injured right after, like he he brought the Boston to to the finals, and he was celebrating and say like, oh, I'm going to back up this. The bring, they're, they're going to have to back up the Brinks truck for me, mm-hmm. and he was supposed to get like a hundred and fifty million dollar contract, and he got injured, and Boston just like kick him out, and now. The last time he played, he played this year, and he was like minimum contract for like two hundred thousand something. After he was supposed to get like a hundred, hundred and fifty million contract or something like that. So yeah, a lot of it is misfortune, but a lot of it is like these guys don't know how to manage their money, and you know when you're rolling on a team with like, um, you know like a LeBron, um, a lot of these guys that are making millions and they are living life like you're making millions yeah and you're not making the same but you're trying to keep up with them this mm-hmm. is the result of that yeah so unfortunately it's it's i would say probably like 50 percent of those who go and play in the nba yeah goes back to living like regular life doing regular stuff you know working nine to five so yeah it's it's it's, it's nothing new self-inflicted you would say james yeah i think he's self-inflicted because mm-hmm. eight years in the nba is 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 that is like a millionaire because yeah. a lot of nba players a lot of players enter the nba and they don't even make it to four years yeah. so eight years is a, is a is a lot and you you like even if you make say you make 20 million dollars in that eight years the average american is not making 20 million dollars so you can do something with that money so self-inflicted crawl before you ball and this is the problem I... go ahead go right ahead javette go right ahead <clears throat> i don't want to put all the blame on all these players because one and on all these sports teams, they use these players. So if you're using these players, why not help them learn how to manage their money? Period. A lot of these children are coming out of the inner city. A lot of these children are coming from never having anything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us, even people that have regular jobs, they deal with wants instead of needs. Yep. No one taught them the difference. Okay? So I can't fault him totally. But now that we see the progression of this happening throughout the years, why don't some of these teams set up money managers to help these um, players learn how to budget learn how to invest into something that will actually give them a return on their income instead of just using them. Yeah. So I can't put all the fault on them. And then as a person that's just coming into the money, I mean, we see it happen with people that win the lottery. Mm -hmm. There's people that make millions of dollars with the lottery, and then you see them a couple of years and they have nothing. Broke. So part of it, mentally, too, you have to know that you can't live the rest of your life on $30,000. You can't live the rest of your life on a million dollars without adding to it. Because even if you work a nine to five, if I make $80,000 this year, next year I'm hoping to make 90. Next year I'm hoping to make, and that's if I get my raise. But you have to have that money each year coming in. 
Yeah. You can't just have it one year and then don't have it the rest of your life. So yeah. I yield my mic. Thank you so much, Javed, and thank you, James. I'll go yeah. right ahead, Fabian. Yeah, I just want to say good morning to everybody in the room. Good Hope you're having a great yeah. Wednesday. Um, this guy played for my former team, so I have a little insight on him. Okay. Uh, he has suffered from mental illness for the past couple of years. Um, he has been homeless for a great part of the last couple of years. And um, just a microcosm, really, of any profession that it can strike anybody at any time. So once you factor that in, then you realize that you really have no control over anything. Mm -hmm. You can't think clearly. And if you're sleeping out on the streets, then uh, that's really a tough road to overcome. So I think you need to have a little compassion in regards to people with a mental illness. Um, and that can afflict anybody. It can be from your DNA or it can just be uh, life struggles and crises that uh, one decision can really steer you steer you off your course you know so who wish the best for him i'm glad the dallas mavericks owner went to actually go physically pick him up i believe last year and uh, i think he set him up in a housing and stuff and i don't think he'll ever make it back to the nba because he's um he's an older guy by now but i hope that he finds some peace and um and happiness in, in his life he's a good dude but um, as i said a mental illness really Thank you. Thank you, Fabian, and thank you for the insight into that. Of course, that part was not mentioned in the story at all. Now, my question now, Fabian, is this. Who does he have his family that could see to his well-being to prevent this unfortunate situation from happening to him? Well, that's a great question, uh, moment. But once again, as we maybe all know, that there's only so much you can do as a family member. Okay. Um, in my own family, you know, uh, you can only, you can do your best and still that person has to be willing to work on themselves mm -hmm. and uh, meet us somewhere. But if they are continue just uh, destructing and hurting themselves and maybe other people, so much we can do. We have to get up and go to work. We have to go to school. We have our own lives to live. You can only offer help, but at the end of the day, people either have to accept it or, or, or they don't. And uh, I'm hoping that his family, you know, was there for him. But once again, if, if he's not going to listen to it or, or enter himself into rehab or stay in a rehab, then that's another story unto itself. Okay. Thank you, Fabian. I have, and I have a quick question for you from the chat. Did Fabian just say he played in the NBA? Can you... Let them know, Fabian. Did you play in the NBA? I might have thought I played in an NBA, <laughs> but the answer is no, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> NBA, NABA, none of those, none of those, not even close. By the way, is that your son in your PTR? No, that is a player that played for Pinecrest. Uh, he played for Kentucky. He, he was a lottery pick. Uh, he played down here at Fort Lauderdale, Pinecrest. I covered him, and uh, we met up a couple of times there at his old school, and I just took a picture of maybe if I'm six years ago. His name is Brandon Knight. Okay. Brandon Knight. He played in the league for a couple of years for okay. Detroit and, and Cleveland. Okay. Hi. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fabian. There you go, Javette. <laughs> yeah, so we want to wish him the best, and hopefully, I mean, thank you for shedding light on some facts that we were not aware of, 
And of course, in true media fashion, we probably would not have been made aware of that just yet unless somebody, you know, comes up and says, hey, but this is the reason why. So Brittany Griner's scheduled call with wife derailed by understaffed U.S. Embassy. The wife of detained WNBA star Brittany Griner says she never got her scheduled call with Griner because the U.S. Embassy in Russia is understaffed. Sherelle Griner was looking forward to speaking with Brittany, whom she had not spoken with in four months since her arrest in Russia. Russian authorities approved Britney's call and it was scheduled to take place on Saturday. It was particularly special since it marked the couple's fourth wedding anniversary. Sadly, the day came and went without a word from Britney. But according to her legal team, she tried hard to speak with her wife. According to her lawyer, Britney dialed a U.S. embassy assigned number that was supposed to connect them to one another. However, Britney tried 11 times to use the number, but the calls never went through. The desk at the embassy where the phone was to ring and then connect her to Sherelle was supposedly unmanned. I find it unacceptable. And I have zero trust in our government right now, Sherelle told the Associated Press. If I can't trust you to catch a Saturday call outside of business hours, how can I trust you to actually be negotiating on my wife's behalf to come home? She explained that the experience left her not wanting to speak with anyone and says she is still not well. Brittany Griner has been in Russian custody since February 17th, accused of possessing vape cartridges containing marijuana oil in her luggage while passing through Sheremetyevo International Airport. Her pretrial detention was recently extended until July 2nd, having already been extended twice before. While she has been communicating via emails and letters, not many people have had an opportunity to speak with Brittany directly. A Cristiano Ronaldo's $2 million Bugatti damaged by his bodyguard during a family vacation? Oh, Cristiano, you are not missing anything. Professional footballer Cristiano Ronaldo's $2 million Bugatti was damaged in Spain. And this happened during a vacation with a family in Majorca, Spain. Ronaldo had his Bugatti Veyron Vitesse hypercar and his Mercedes-Benz G-Class shipped to his villa. According to Hype Beast, reports show that while not in the physical care of the car, Ronaldo's bodyguard got into an accident behind the wheel. The news outlet reports the bodyguard lost control of the vehicle while making a turn on a tight corner. He ended up hitting a brick wall. No one was harmed, but the Bugatti was wrapped in a blue tarp and taken away. What's that song? As I'm reading the story, this, the, the rap song. Bugatti. Oh my gosh, y'all can't help me, right? <laughs> it's a rap song with the word Bugatti in it, and I can't re remember it now, the words. But anyway, so it is time for stories out of the Caribbean corner. And 
I got to see how quick I can get this done. It's speed reading time. Health City partners with Ocean Med to perform first robotic surgery, and this story comes out of the Cayman Islands. Adding to its long track record of surgical firsts in the Cayman Islands and the Caribbean, Health City Cayman Islands continues to establish itself as a leader in the innovative delivery of medical care with the introduction of robotic-assisted laparoscopic surgeries using the Da Vinci 10 surgical system. The first robotic-assisted laparoscopic surgery in the Cayman Islands took place on May 7th at the Health City Cayman Islands Hospital in East End through a partnership between Health City and local health care provider Ocean Med. The partnership will see Ocean Med obstetrician and gynecologist Dr. David Stone utilize the Da Vinci 10 robotic system to perform a wide variety of minimally invasive gynecological surgeries. With the assistance of health city specialists, gynecologist Dr. Pooja Montero and anesthesiologist Dr. Susan Paul. The Caribbean is just kicking up steam right now, right? Jamaica, we reported yesterday, first brain surgery while patient was awake. Now, Cayman leading the way here with the laparoscopic surgeries. Well done. Uh, Jamaican Prime Minister denounces the brutal murder of a woman and her four children. Prime Minister Andrew Holness has condemned the brutal murder of a woman and her four children and has vowed that the perpetrator will be brought to justice. And I saw an update while um, here that they caught the alleged um, suspect in the parish of Trelawney. Kamisha Wright and her children, Kimana Smith, 15, Shamari Smith, 10, Kafana Smith, 5, and 23-month-old Kishon Henry were found with their throats slit in the central parish of Clarendon before dawn on Tuesday. A 23-year-old man who is said to be a relative of the deceased and her children has been detained and is assisting police with investigations. In a statement from the office of the Prime Minister, Holness strongly condemned the heinous and senseless act of violence. He noted that the Jamaica Constabulary Force has started its investigations and appealed to persons with information to come forward. I want to express my deep sympathies to the young family um, of Kamisha and her children and to let them know that the entire nation is praying for them and surrounding them with love and support. Holness decried the act as a new low in the level of violence in the society and urged all Jamaicans to turn away from violence as a means of resolving disputes and conflict. All Jamaicans must unequivocally condemn the murder of four innocent children and their mother. This is not just domestic dispute. This murder represents an attack on our civility, an attack on our sensibilities, and it is an attack on our nation, he said, urging an all-of-society approach and commitment to stamping out violence. And Jamaica to capitalize on Chris Gale's popularity in the Asian market. The Ministry of Tourism intends to capitalize on the popularity of explosive West Indies and Jamaican opening batsman turned reggae artist Chris Gale in making inroads in the huge but untapped Asian market. Tourism Minister Edmund Bartlett says that Gale, Gale, being one of only four players to have scored two triple centuries in test cricket, has not only made a name for himself on the world stage, but has emerged as an iconic figure and one of the most well-known sportsmen throughout all of Asia. Chris Gale is certainly a huge asset to Jamaica and a central figure in the engagement of Asians, particularly Indians.
When you call his name in India, it is magic. So whatever important values he brings to this engagement, however it can enhance Jamaica's presence in that market, that is something we are not about to pass on. All right, Jamaica, looking to um, pave new roads. NFM, the story comes out of Trinidad and Tobago. NFM to raise flower prices by 33% starting today. Soaring commodity prices have prompted the national flower mills to increase wholesale and retail flower prices. So roti going to get more expensive, my people. The proposed 33% and 28% increases respectively come into effect on Wednesday. The company said the increases would reduce losses at its flower division, which continues to be impacted by the ongoing Russia-Ukraine war. While the company implemented price hikes in January, it said the cost of wheat increased by a further 49% owing to the continued conflict. With the possibility of grain shortages, NFM said it's been able to secure sufficient wheat stocks to guarantee that Trinidad and Tobago has an adequate supply of flour for the remainder of the year. The company explained that the crisis in Eastern Europe and the decision by major wheat suppliers to curtail exports saw a reduction in the quantities available to non-producing nations like Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, them doubles going to be doubling up. Yeah. Get ready for those price increases. And those were our stories out of the Caribbean corner. In Latin America, indigenous protested dies in Ecuador as violence increases. Oh boy, an indigenous protester has died in, at the hands of anti-government protests that the country's military has labeled as a grave threat to democracy. On Tuesday, an estimated 10,000 indigenous people took the streets in the capital, Quito, continuing demonstrations that began on June 13 over fuel prices, unemployment, and President Guillermo Lasso's conservative government. Protesters carried sticks, fireworks, and shields made from road signs and were met with crackdowns by security forces, particularly in the north of the capital, where officers including some on motorcycles and horseback, attempted to disperse the crowds using anti-riot vehicles equipped with tear gas and water cannon. Everybody all over the world, we're feeling it. We're feeling it, and we're just trying to deal. People are stressed out and have had enough. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to pick up from here because um, we, we're not going to be able to finish or touch on our entertainment stories. And I have no regrets. Why? Because we did have very insightful conversation. So thank you to each and every one of us. And here's a little bit more from Tina Turner before we close out. Whatever life throws at you, your friend is here, right by your side. And love leaves you cold, 
tomorrow in entertainment news we will talk about bill cosby being found liable of sexually assaulting teen at the playboy mansion in 1975 and the woman has been awarded five hundred thousand dollars dave chappelle says his former high school theater will not have his name we're going to talk about that as well And of course, I have to say thank you to all our listeners that logged on to QMZRadio.com, JohnNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. You're listening, or you were listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. I'm Moments with me, and we do this every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments on Instagram Moments with Me Media and subscribe to the YouTube channel Moments with Me Media. Like, share, comment, and click on that notification bell. And let me just shut up so we can enjoy a little bit more of Miss Tina Turner. Thank you so much for being here with me for Coffee and Tell. I guess Tina doesn't want to leave us. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. 
Thank you for tuning in to Jono Radio. Jono Radio. We are we are we are online twenty four seven. We 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 hope you enjoyed the show. Bye bye. To my listeners on QMZRadio.com and JohnnyOradio.com. See you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for joining us.